Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of Metal to the Masses podcast. I'm your host, Alex Uslar, and man, do we have a stud of a guest today, Shane Hunt. If you guys don't know who he is, he has blown up into the scene of the powerlifting world over the last six months since uh, his, his stellar 9 for 9 performance um, at the Hybrid Showdown. He has made a big name for himself on uh, on social media, on Instagram, with some of his extremely impressive gym lifts, which he has also translated over to meets as well. He is in preparation for the showdown meet coming up in Kansas City about six weeks from now. We sat down, we talked about his history in powerlifting, um, uh, his now you know social media quote unquote fame, and how he's you know kind of blown up in social media in such a short period of time. How he got into lifting, him being in powerlifting for a long time. And me just overall kind of man crushing on him Because goodness, he is an aesthetic looking dude He is jacked as hell He could, If he wanted to prep for a bodybuilding show He could step on a stage one day Forgot to ask him about that I wonder if he ever would do that Well, sit back, relax I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode of Metal to the Masses Podcast Shane freaking Hunt the most handsome man in modern day powerlifting, a fucking Greek god. I was very disappointed because I, I'm videoing with him right now. You guys don't get video access to the podcast. I just do audio, but I like to see my guests, and I totally expected his shirt to be off, but it wasn't. That is your intro, Shane Hunt. What's up, dude? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's good to be here. I'm happy to be here. I don't know about the the whole handsome handsomest man in powerlifting but you know i try and do what i can all right who's more handsome (laughs) than you bro i I like the 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 humbleness but who's more handsome (laughs) who's more aesthetic and more handsome in powerlifting right now oh man um your boy your boy gavin has a pretty uh pretty sick haircut you know he's got good hair yeah he's got good hair he's he's a good looking guy yeah but we we got him we got him on a nutrition plan homeboy's got to lose a couple pounds he knows it he was cutting too much weight he's got that extra body fat dude like back in the day when you started like looking at powerlifting, who did you look up to like aesthetic wise? Mm. Um, I mean, I started probably like eight, nine years ago. So I was like looking at like Dan Green. Dan Green. There was a lot. Enough yeah, said. Was- you don't even need to say anything else, right? Like, because you and I started around the same time and that was who everyone looked at because you had, you know, your Brandon Lillies and your Andrew Milanichevs and your Eric Lillibridges. Mm. And you don't really look at those guys and be like, I want to look like that. No offense, homeboys, you know what I mean? But you looked at Dan Green, and you're like, holy shit, he's an aesthetic god, you know? My friend, yeah. I think you've, surpre- you're, you've surpassed Dan Green. No, 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 that's not, that's not, that's disrespectful, but, I mean, I just... I know, that, from like, an aesthetic standpoint, you know? man, I don't know, because you also have the height. <laughs> what people don't understand is you and I are both above six feet, you know what I mean? So to fill out your frame... Mm. I know I'm just stroking your ego right now, but I'm just saying I, I, I'm I'm going to be the people's voice for you're the most modern in modern power left the most aesthetic person. For me, it was Dan Green and T Cummings. Remember T? Mm. Yeah, I competed with him actually in uh, in Florida, like in 2013, at like an APA meet one time. No shit. Yeah, and I was like, who is this guy? So I, I had abs, 800-pound squat. It was like, what's going on? Yeah. Exactly. Back then, it was like, there yeah. wasn't a lot of that. There wasn't a lot of super aesthetic people. So before, it used to be John Hack for me. I used to always say, John Hack, you're the most handsome man in powerlifting. And then you, when you ate your former, former self and became the modern myth that you are right now, you got it, bro. Your title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember you said that about John Hack, I'm pretty sure, at uh, 
at the the last meet. So I was thinking, you know, I can't take that from him. Yeah, sorry, man. I got to be stronger first. I already told him. I already told him. You you impressed me <laughs> enough. So, Metal to the Masses podcast. Uh, you guys have, if you guys have been listening to the the podcast, a lot of my episodes have been uh, uh, guests who are involved in both lifting and music, or just one or the other. Shane, I have on here because I've been able to see him, you know, kind of grow as he's grown over the last two or three years in powerlifting, going from competing at one of my meets and barely squatting like mid five hundreds to what he's doing now, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's a friend of mine. We talk every so often. So I thought he'd be a perfect uh, one of my first just formal powerlifting kind of guests in the same format that, you know, we usually talk. I just want to I want to kind of just break down your history. What got you to where you are today in powerlifting? What's your athletic background? You, you told me you've been powerlifting eight or nine years. That is already more than 90 uh, percent of the people who uh, follow us on Instagram. Right. So mm, uh, let's yeah. let, let, let just kind of talk about that journey. Break it down for me. Where did it start? I think so. The first time I ever like joined an actual gym and started lifting weights, I was probably about 12 years old, and that was mostly, you know, I was I would spend hours in there, but I had no idea what I was doing. I was really young, I was really skinny, and I was just like doing curls and dumbbell bench and you know failure in every set, and I didn't know how to like eat right and or anything like that. And then I guess eventually, uh, I just uh, were you, were, you play, were you playing sports previously to that? Ah. Uh, I, I swam. I, I did like triathlons and I swam when I was a kid. I did gymnastics. So I feel like those things kind of did help me just being like active. And, like, I've, se- I've, seen I've seen you do the flips. I've seen you do the flips. You can't leave out the gymnastics, man. That gives you a huge base, a huge base. Yeah, I feel like it helps because like even when I was probably seven or eight years old, I could probably do like 15 pull-ups and I've always been able to do that just like, you know, almost my whole life. Like my dad was like hanging me on a pull-up bar when I was like six months old. So I feel like that like does something, you know, like I've been swimming my whole life. I feel like just body awareness and like mobility and stuff like that. Like, I feel like it does help. Like people are always like pretty impressed by like my mobility, but I don't feel like it's anything that I've like really had to work a lot at. I just kind of had it because of like how I grew up and like what I did. And I've always pretty been pretty like in tune with my body. So I'm just like the body control and stuff comes pretty, pretty easily. I feel like because of that, you know? Um, so like when I just like slowly transferred that to lifting weights and eventually just got big enough, I was good at it. So like, initially I wasn't good at all at lifting weights because I was just like too lanky, too skinny, didn't have any mass to like move, move mass. Cause I was, I was probably 14 and like almost as tall as I am now and 135 pounds. So I just figured I'll just get huge. And, you know, I followed like George Lehman. I don't know if you, you Oh yeah, Lehman, dude. He was, like, do, do you still follow him? God, you know? A little bit, but like I did back in the day and I was like, I got to get to 300 pounds. So dude, I literally doubled my body weight when I was 14, 14 to 15, like less than a year, 10 months. And went from like 130 to like 260. What the and fuck? I, yeah. And I got pretty strong. I was like 15, 16 and I could squat like 545, like almost as strong as I was like years later, but like being smaller. But when I was like 255, 260 mid 300 bench, mid 500 squat. I think I pulled 633 in a meet when I was like 16. But then I lost, like, or I didn't lose a lot of things. I just like never got stronger yeah. until I like got back to that size. Like it's like, I feel like it was like a threshold kind of like with like how tall I am, like my, my limb length that I need a certain amount of size to like be strong. So when I'm like 220, I just like can't be strong. I just like, you know, yeah. just significantly weaker. Cause I'm just like, I'm just so like, 
I'm too skinny, basically, you know? Dude, all right, talk to me about that year that you went from 130 to 260. What the fuck did you do? What the fuck did you eat? How much did you hate yourself? How do you do that as, like, a 15-year-old? That's nuts, man. That's that's some discipline. That's some discipline. And it was all, like, it wasn't, none of it was a mistake. It was, like, you knew you were doing it for the sake of getting as strong as possible because fucking fat fuck George Lehman. (laughs) Yeah, and I I shouldn't have done it, and I definitely didn't take it to, like, the extent that he did. But, like, I I, I got hurt. Like, when I, I was, like, not even... 16 years old and like I've had times where I could like barely walk my back would hurt and then I basically convinced myself that like powerlifting wasn't like healthy you know like quote unquote like it was like everyone says like oh lifting weights you're gonna you're gonna like fuck your shit up and I basically like convinced myself of that because just the way I was training I was just training balls to the wall like every session like I buried myself in fatigue like I did that to myself you know right. like, I couldn't see that I was so young and I wanted it right now I wanted to be you know like when I was 16, I thought I was going to deadlift 800 pounds when I was 18. Like I, I said that, like that was a big goal I had and it took me five years longer than that, you know? Right. Or four years, four years longer than that. So I feel like we always, especially being young like that, like I just expected it so fast. Like I'm going to get so strong so fast. I'm the strongest person ever, you know? Um, but like now I kind of see like, it's just, it's not like that. Like it's a steady, you know, it's a marathon really. Yeah. So. All right, so you're 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 15, 16, you're you're a fat fuck, you're 260 pounds, you're feeling unhealthy. Then you decide to start cutting down. Yeah, so I basically like joined the track team. I was like, I'll be a thrower. So I, like I was like throwing shot put and discus. Thought I was gonna like, like go to school for that. I thought I was gonna like go to um, FSU up here for that. And I ended up like tearing my hamstring, like doing that, like just like being explosive and like training for that, like um, pulling or tearing my hamstring. So that didn't work out. Uh, and then I slowly just kind of came back to, to power. I never really stopped lifting weights. Like I always lifted weights, but I wasn't like solely focused on powerlifting. So my, my like strength progression has been pretty up and down, you know, like constantly up and down because of that. Yeah. Got you. So flash forward to when, when, when did I first meet you? Cause I know you were competing quite frequently in the USAPL here in Florida and you came down you did one of my, you did the summer slam, which was the WRPF meet. And like, I see you a couple weeks later again, competing in another meet. And so you were pretty, pretty active in competing then. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, I must've been in 2019, June. 2019. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did, uh, I did raw nationals maybe two or three months after that. I think it was in October. Damn. Yeah, man. So, so right now, I, I, most recently, you're, you, I, I think it, you probably went like a year without competing, and then you did the hybrid showdown where you just fucking shocked the world, huh? So talk a little bit about that, because literally before that meet, you and I were talking about that meet, and I saw what you were doing, and you went from having like, you know, two, 3,000 followers on Instagram to like mm-hmm. 11 or 12 times that now, practically in just a couple of months, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I mean, I got, I got stronger than ever, like around that time. Um, I guess around like January, February of this year, um, <clears throat> excuse me, was when I first, like, I guess like, I feel like broke like through that, like, like 900 pound deadlift range. Like I really like, I don't know, actually started getting like with the followers and stuff like that really, I guess like opened the door for that. Like it really started, increasing a lot since then um but yeah it was it's been like a hell of a year of training like I feel like I almost like never never like took the foot like take, took my foot off the gas you know just been like pushing hard like for like a year yeah 
Well, I mean, dude, you've been, like you just said, you've been doing it a long time for you to start when you were 16 and you're, you're how old now? 24? 24. 24, mm-hmm. yeah. So already at 16 and 24, already doing it eight years. And, you know, like just seeing kind of the progression of the up and the down. And it's like I, I struggle a lot with my athletes with that too. It's like when you're getting hung up on a weight class and your, or your body composition or it's like they're, they're very different goals, like being as strong as humanly possible or looking the fucking sexiest you can possibly look and, and getting the fucking the Wilkes, you know what I mean? Like very, very different goals. And I think that, you know, you've been a good example of that where I, I feel like you originally even thought you were possibly going to compete at, compete at 242 for the showdown, right? Were you originally going to? I was, and I was, I was closer to around 255 body weight, so I felt like the cut wouldn't be too bad. Right. Um, and the body and just kept kind of, demanding you to grow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I was 265, and I was like, oh, that's a terrible cut. That's going to, like, you know, that's going to disable me the next day. Yeah, exactly. So, and, th- and that's uh, a good yeah. example of it's like that's – it's it's you being mature and smart, and you've done it long enough because – People can get hung up on that, oh, shit, 242, oh, I want to go against Jamal Brown, or I want to, you know, this, that, and the other, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it is, but it's like, you're going to limit yourself in that. You start that cut a couple weeks out from the meet, it's a very good a chance that whatever those third attempts that you hit, you wouldn't have hit, right? Right, right. And I, I, I would much rather be, you know, a, a, a kind of light 275 and go nine for nine and not feel, I mean, I know for competition's sake, eventually, I'll have to, like, implement weight cutting, but it's not really something I've ever done uh i feel like i haven't like maximized my like potential elsewhere yet and then i feel like i'll kind of capitalize on that once i'm maximizing leverages everything like that like if i was 285 and cut down to 275 for example that would make more sense to me um because i feel like i'd still have enough weight and mass that it wouldn't affect me too much um but yeah i feel like it's not something i really like i haven't really played that card yet i kind of like saved that like weight cutting thing um, so I, I feel like I still can capitalize on that later, you know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So talk to me about, uh, like, so your third attempts that you had planned for that meet, did you have those planned pretty far out and you knew what you were going to do? Cause you pulled, did you pull 400? Is that what you pulled? Four. Yeah. I pulled 400, 705 squat and four, 215 kilo bench. I pretty much did all those in the gym before the meet. I knew I could do them. Yeah, but it's like, so I, really I was bummed, because when I saw you only pulled 400, when you pulled 900 in the gym, I'm like, this motherfucker, you know what yeah. I mean? There was this moment, uh, we talked about a fourth attempt, we've been talking about taking a fourth attempt for a while, and now I kind of beat myself up about it, but I'm, at the same time, I'm like, it was a good, it was a good move. Um, right after I pulled the 400 kilo, I just like... Not that, like, I lost momentum or just my energy. I was kind of like, I did what I came here to do, and it was just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was over. Like, yeah, you know, nine for nine, you like, hit huge numbers. Yeah, yeah, You established I it think, all officially. But even, like, a few minutes after that, I think I even asked you. I was like, hey, can I? It was like, no, it's too late. Yeah, <laughs> did you did. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. I think man. I kind of realized, too, that if I pulled, like, 412, I would have had the heaviest deadlift at the meet because I think – Jamal pulled 410 and Dan Bell also pulled 410. Right. So I think I could have just like barely <laughs> beaten both of them. And I, I think I could have done it. I don't know. Who knows? It was a long day. 
yeah. by the time we got the deadlifts, I was I was feeling it. I definitely was. How do you how do you feel about uh well especially since you compete in the USAPL for a very long time and you had a lot of different like two flight meets going into you know WRPF USPA all these federations that we don't ever do you know two flight or two sessions unless it's like a undersold meet that we always do mm-hmm. typically three flight or four flight and the showdown being it was a four flight meet how do you feel about that from like a lifting perspective especially coming from what you used to come from so I guess. Um I guess that would be a, make for a longer day. Yep. Basically for the lifter. I don't, I didn't feel honestly, I didn't feel like it was that significant. And I do feel like since it was a little bit spread out, like right after squat, I knew I had a long time. Like we, we left, we went and got food. I felt like I was more, a little bit more relaxed because it wasn't so crammed together. But at the same time, like I said, like by the time we got to deadlift and my feet were kind of, my feet were kind of achy. I kind of had to like get myself, which obviously you're at a powerlifting meet, you're going to have to kind of, get yourself hyped up but i really was like all right like wake up again <laughs> yeah i was feeling it. it was a long day yeah, yeah it's one of those things where it's like especially if you have like a two flight meet or if you have a three flight meet but it's short flights you pretty much finish squatting mm-hmm. like you're still on a high and you're you're already about to start warming up for bench you know mm-hmm. it can be advantageous where it's like you're keeping your momentum up but then also it's like a disadvantage because you're having to be on it for so long Right. So I was like, I always ask people that because it's like people are 50 50. Some people prefer one versus the other. I always liked the longer meets where I could go have a meal, go chill, go disconnect. Like, you know, if I have bicep tendonitis, my biceps aren't still fucking pulsating after Mm. squats going into bench or whatever it might be, you know. But uh, I, w- I was pleased because I'll, even though it was a long day because it was a full day of 60 lifters, I think we, we still – I finished at a really manageable time because I've been to some four-flight meets before. I don't know how many four-flight meets you've done that start at 9 a.m. and finish like at 8 or 8.30. And that is fucked. Mm-hmm. Fucked. <laughs> When, when did we – when did you wrap up? Around like 5.30 or 6? 5.30 and I think awards were done by like 6. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty timely. That's pretty good. I mean, I honestly, I'm gonna say I prefer that because it's the only time I've ever gone nine for nine and hit all hit all my attempts. So You're say, welcome, bro. You're I'm welcome for that. I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> Hell yeah! So moving ahead, coming off of that high, coming off of that momentum of the showdown, because again, you went from literally just being like a, a strong dude in Florida, like you probably had one of the strongest deadlifts, you know, in Florida, the USAPL and stuff. And now it's like, you know, in the world, you're top ranked. So you've had all this momentum. You've had all this, pre- I almost feel like you've almost had a lot more pressure. What do you feel like? Cause leading up to the showdown, it's like no one really knew who you were. There was no pressure for anything like that. You just went out there and you showed up. How does it feel now? Like leading into this prep? Um, I feel like since I, well, definitely a lot more people know about me. That's for sure. But I feel like the people that are doing, they're doing the, it's also called the showdown. Um, right. Same, same name. Um, but I feel like the, like the weight class that I'm doing, I feel like a lot of people still don't expect me to really like to do much. Um, because of the people that are in that weight class. I mean, you have, you have Dan Grigsby, um, I'm blanking on his name right now. How am I? Think of his name. Um, the guy who has the world record, Zach, um, he's in, he's in that, he, he's going to be there. So I feel like he's going to total mid 2300s, you know? So I feel like even, even so like with this me, I feel like it's kind of the same, the same way where people don't expect me to do that much. Even if more people know who I am, right? you know, I don't feel like people, they don't expect me to like win the meter or anything. 
Right. I don't really expect to win the meet either. <laughs> Sean Hackey's coming for you, baby. <laughs> he's not even. The, yeah. He's not just the most handsome. He's gonna pull out a six thirty Wilkes out of his ass. He's gonna weigh in yeah, at two hundred pounds out of nowhere. <laughs> it seems like John will pull. He'll pull nine hundred. It seems like that'd be sick, man. That would definitely be sick. He was he was really close on the four hundred at the at the U.S. Open, and uh, that'd be cool to see. Who who are the lifters that you're most excited to see the showdown? Um, I, I think I think Dan Grigsby will pull close to a thousand, if not if not pull it. So I'm probably most excited to see to see that. I think Jamal has a good chance, obviously, to pull a thousand if he can his thumbs work. He can pull a thousand too. Um, I mean, I think it's crazy the number of people. There's at least five or six people I think in the 900s on deadlift, and then two people, two potential thousand pound candidates, which I think is just ridiculous, you know. Yeah, man, that that's fucking nuts. I was supposed to, I was supposed to go out there, and then fucking I'm now I'm supposed to go to IPF Worlds, which is like I was gonna try to do both, but since Gavin's competing as a junior, it's like two days after the show or a day and a half. It's the showdown finishes Sunday. He competes Tuesday, so it like logistically was like impossible for me to get there. But I feel like this this meet people have like kind of been talking shit since a lot of the IPF and USAPL lifters dropped out. I think that it would be yeah. very very funny and ironic if they dropped out for IPF Worlds and then we don't get to go to IPF Worlds. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that yeah. would be pretty fucked and pretty ironic. But uh, what 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 about the haters, man? Do you, have you been getting a lot of a lot of haters as of late? Like now that you have more notoriety and shit like that, uh, there's always the sumo. There's always the sumo haters, you know. That's a constant thing. And then uh, there's the there's the why are you naked in the gym? Oh, really? People talk shit about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're like why why are you, they're like I would never. Why are you disrespecting the gym? Well, I've been in the gym for 20 years, and you're disrespecting the weights with your shirtlessness. Your your gym has no AC, right? It does, it does. It does. I was training at Seminole Strength, which that is strictly fans. There's no AC. Okay. It's, it is brutal. There. Brutal. But the AC is not. It's not running. It's not really low. But there is there is some AC at the Capital City Barbell, but it's not it's not that bad. But I mean, in Florida, you know, we're we're in Florida. It's, it's different. We're not. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. If if you came down to my gym and you were walking around with your toes out and your feet and shit like that, and if they were sweaty, and if I saw like sweaty footprints, I'd be kind of I'd be kind of pissed off. But I'm I'm all for the shirt off and the short shorts, baby. I'm all for it. You need the you need the toe uh, the shoelessness for optimal rooting. Uh, oh, you need you need to go to you need to go to RPS for that. I think that's the only federation that lets you go barefoot. But yeah, I think I was, I was telling you about, um, I was asking you if I should go up to 308 and throw on the knee wraps, um, yeah. to go against Andrew. Um, but I think that's, that's how he squatted a thousand pounds was, was, uh, with no shoes on. I think so. Yeah. Because again, RPS is like one of the only federations that they don't fucking care. You don't have to have deadlift socks. You don't have to have shoes. You don't have to have fucking shit. You just have to give them your money. That's it. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I, that meat, that, that meat I heard was a complete fucking shit show. And like it, it was in a gym with no AC, and it was just like a fucking sauna, and that was another meet. I think that ran to like seven or seven thirty or something like that, and people were like, "Fuck!" But it was in Florida, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on it was on the West Coast. I think like near Fort Myers or some shit like that. It was the same weekend as it was the same weekend as my meet actually, and I, I didn't even I didn't even realize it. My my summer classic. But so on that same note, it's funny you, you make the joke of going up through eight, putting on knee wraps. I saw. Uh, Derek uh, Thistle Whittle, whatever his name is, uh, whatever, however you say his fucking last name, no offense, homie. Um, 
he he's like tagged you. He's like talked about you in multiple of his stories. Like, of course, as he talks about everyone, mm-hmm. just for the controversy. And he said something about you talking about knee wraps and how knee wraps add 150 pounds that you would never put them on or whatever. But then you also made that joke to me. So give me the backstory on that. Um. Hmm. <clears throat> so knee wraps, knee wraps have always kind of intrigued me. I think the one time I used them, I was I front squatted like 335 for a set of five like 10 years ago. <laughs> I, I was like, let, let me see how these knee wraps feel. And I've never used them. But they always intrigued me. And then I just see people who squat way more than they deadlift. I mean, it's not, it's not everybody because obviously people can hit depth with knee wraps, but tend to be higher squats, you know, just, just how it is. And then when you get these super wide, like stance, like sumo, I know I deadlift sumo, so how can I how can I talk shit about the the wide stance squats? But I just think they're ugly. These super wide stance, high wrapped monolith squats, like I just don't like it. So I talk a little bit of shit about it, and I use knee wraps. So I don't know. I guess I'm like holding on to my USAPL, um, somehow trying to hold on to that, you know. But look at what we one of the first things we talked about. Look at who <laughs> one of your first idols was was fucking Dan Green. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, he was, um, he was, and Andre, ex- Melanie Trev, I loved him back in the day. Exactly, and Dan Green was a good example of someone who was super well-rounded around all of them and had a very just mm-hmm. kind of standard uh, squat. He had a really fast eccentric to really get momentum out of the knee wraps and stuff like that. That's but true. I could see how mm-hmm. what you're saying, especially with that whole, you know, RPS division of things but like if you go back to the u.s open back in like uh, 2017 2018 when that was still uspa and it was only knee wraps uh you were that was probably when you were still in the usapl and probably were like oh i don't like the knee wraps so i'm not gonna watch the u.s open but it's like th- that that was a really good example of a meet that kept things to a super super high standard with knee wraps and having to walk it out you know, but I, I think gonna, I was going to say they had to walk it out, right? Correct. Exactly. That's, That's when it was cool. still USPA. And so it, it deterred a lot of people, but it also like it brought a different element to the thing. You know, and I feel like that's kind of slipped away now since, you know, U.S. Open is now where, you know, a thousand percent just affiliated with the WRPF and, you know, just associated with the USPA. So it's like there isn't that anymore. So maybe it's like, yeah, wraps have kind of gone back to getting that wrap where it's like, oh, if you're squatting wraps, you're probably at an RPS meet or an APF meet and, you know, you probably fucking suck. Yeah, but it's a little bit it's a little bit overblown. I, I don't think that, that knee wraps are, are cheating or anything. I probably will use them one day. <laughs> just not, 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 probably not soon, but one day. I just like to talk shit about them. I think it's more of a joke than anything. I feel like, I feel like not, your squat style, serious. you would get a good you'd get a good amount out of them. And I, and I think it's all very relative to each individual, you know. I think some people can get, you know, astronomical amounts out of it, especially with them using utilizing the monolith also, right? And not having to walk right. it out. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I'd be interested to see what you squat if you put them on. Well, I squatted I squatted seven oh five at hybrid and Marcus Marcus Leone walked up to me and said I could squat eight hundred with knee wraps. He said, Why don't you why don't you throw the knee wraps on and squat eight? I, like, I don't know. I, mean, I I love when people say that because that's yeah, not I mean, how it works. Knows. 
That's not yeah, how it fucking yeah. works. <laughs> but yeah. it's like that's like this is the typical knee wrapped squatter thing to say when they like haven't even hit their uh, sleeve max in fucking years, so they don't even know. And then if you tell them to try to hit a sleeve max, then they're probably going to be two hundred fifty pounds under their wrap max because they're so just acclimated to always having the wraps on. But it's like, nah, there's definitely you know a, a large learning curve to it. And I've had a lot of lifters who've wanted to transition over to them, and like initially they get like maybe a couple pounds, and it's like it's like its own whole new linear progression just with the knee wraps of how your body gets adapted to them and how it can continue to get stronger and stronger even though you're you're overall stronger you just still need to adapt to them but yeah that makes sense it's a whole it's a whole different whole different animal to, to tackle i feel like but you fuck you you fucking just squatted 750 huh yeah uh two uh, two or three days ago yeah and I, i'd say that was probably easier than the 700 705 that i hit at hybrid so I'm feeling pretty good. I feel pretty good. What's the, what's the goal for the showdown, squat wise? Um, I kind of have, I guess, like a range. I want to hit at least at least a 750 because I mean, who knows how like things will be moving on meet day, and I don't want to like fatigue myself too much for the rest of the meet. So yeah. I'd say 750 to like 770. I give I give myself like upper range of, of 350 kilos, which I I really would like to hit. I think that's a really cool. Cool number at three fifty. Yeah, big benchmark, you know. Oh, speaking of bench, are you gonna bench five hundred yet or what? It seems like it seems like I should, right? I hope so. I think I think five hundred one. I think I'll bench five hundred one. Talk to me because I, I'm curious, being someone who who loves bench on like your bench style of like a much closer grip and suicide mm-hmm. grip and all that shit. What made you kind of go to that style? Do you have like previous shoulder injuries, anything like that that you couldn't kind of maintain it, or or what was it? Um, so I was benching, I guess like in terms of just width, I was benching with my middle finger or my ring finger on the ring. And then I moved that in just a little bit. Uh, and I'd, I'd play with it like around hybrid. That's where I would bench. But sometimes I'd go a little bit closer, like middle finger like or, or even pinky finger. Like I'd play around with it. And then I guess after hybrid, I did have a little bit of shoulder pain. I was having some issues. So I moved it into, and I was just I was just training close grip a lot. Basically, I was just training close grip as a as an accessory, and just like long pauses, uh, really long pauses. So I just felt like I was doing three fifteen one day, and it was just effortless. And it was like I was just doing like sets of five, like long pause, like as an accessory. And I was like, let me just try four hundred five. And it was just like it was just felt easier than how I normally bench it, but it doesn't feel easier for reps. Like it just feels like a few reps, I have so much power, and then I, I fatigue quickly because it's a longer movement. You know, you're moving the weight Definitely. further. Triceps uh, being like smaller, they give out, yeah, quicker. That's how. That's how. Exa- that's exactly how Cayman is. Cayman has somewhat of a closer bench, and I've tried to have him mm-hmm. move out. And we're super, super efficient with his just like you know one to maybe three reps. And then as soon as we get anything over that, his triceps will just give out completely. So we do a lot of his mm-hmm. volume work with a wider grip, but he doesn't like it as much for his heavier work. Yeah, and I think it's um I think it's true for a lot of people who are who are not who are a little bit taller, like around six feet tall. Um, and I I have longer. My wingspan is is more than my height. It's a lot more. It's like six six or six seven. So it's significantly more. But I think it's true for a lot of people that just a more not right at shoulder width, but closer to shoulder width would be better. I think for just general strength and just I think just easier on a lot of people. Um, they try to force that super arched and super wide position. Yeah. Um, when they're not really built to do so. Like I tried to do it for years and I just, 
I never, um, my bench just never really went anywhere. And I think that was partly because of body weight, but also just because I was so focused on like technique. And now it's not that I'm not focused on technique, but I'm not like so like anal about it. You know, I'm right. just like, let's just, let's, let's just bench and push really hard and stay tight and use leg drive. But I'm not like so meticulous and move slow. You know, I just, I'm just, I don't know, more, more just like try hard and be strong. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. My my bench is very much, I wouldn't say it's very technical, but I get a lot of momentum on how I bench. And I bench max max legal grip. So I go a pointer mm-hmm. finger all the way out on the line. The line's almost exposed. And it literally, it was an overnight transition for me. Um, back when I had, I benched like 452 at a meet or I just missed 457. I hit like 446, something like that. And my bench was feeling super stagnant. It's a battle of bay like three or four years ago. And I was benching pinky right inside the ring, right? Because that's where I'd always benched, always benched. And I actually had like a little bit of shoulder pain after that meet. I had to stop benching for a while. I came back. I felt super fresh. And I'm like, I wonder what will happen if I just move my hand out literally three inches, like as much as I can. And literally, like, practically overnight, I added, like, 30 pounds to my bench because it just changed my leverages so much. It decreased the range of motion. My arch didn't really change or anything like that. But it just made the momentum that I got in my leg drive so, like, so much more accentuated where I could get the bar to go. And then the lockout was just so easy from there. But I always tell people, I'm like, don't try to bench like me. I think even you messaged me once, like two years ago. You're like, dude, what do you think about when you're benching? And I'm like, oh, dude, you don't want to think about what I think about. That shit is fucking weird, dude. My bench is fucking weird. But hey, I could bench 500 pounds, you know? So. Yeah, I, I remember watching you bench like years ago. And I was just mind blown. I was like, how is he so like aggressive with with the with it? I mean, it works and it's strong. It's it's crazy. Um, well, I'll tell you exactly you, where I got that from is Dan Green. If you watch Dan Green way back in the day, he drops the bar into his fucking sternum and explosively drives up, you know? Me, it looks yeah. a little bit more how it kind of crushes my sternum, but that that was like the first guy who I ever saw bench significant weight and being super aesthetic. So I'm like, all right, maybe I drop the bar and sink it in my chest. And I, and I just fucking did it, you know? And I did it like that for years until it finally worked. Yeah. I feel like I kind of do that now. But not not quite to the level you do it. But I I still I I think it a decent bit. You know I definitely like let my body absorb it and then use that to, you know. Yeah, agree. Like really try to like get the get the lats like tight at the bottom and then just exactly. Off the body. And a lot of people do it, and I and I do that same thing. But where I think it's different for me, what a lot of people see is like I like release my legs and I like let let the I let my arch kind of collapse. And then I like mm-hmm. springboard it up out of my paws, you know? So I think that's yeah, the more unconventional yeah. part. Yeah, it's almost like you allow like, um, I guess like thoracic flexion and then re Exactly. And I, I even mm-hmm. slightly like internally rotate my shoulder, which is not a good position for your shoulder. But like because mm-hmm. my torso is kind of thick, it doesn't really put it in an aggressive internally rotated position. And hey, it works. One day, one day I'll bench over 500 pounds again and that'll be cool. <laughs> so you did you did 501 in in comp and 501 507 i opened at five oh, okay, i okay. opened at 501 and then i went straight to 507 and then i missed 513 yeah. so you're a fan of the of the tiny tiny bench jumps little incremental 
I just okay. no, usually not. I just did that because I only cared if I got my opener. I only cared if I got five hundred one because I wanted to finally do it in the yeah. competition. You know what I mean? And yeah, uh, just five hundred. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Usually, I like I would usually be more strategic with it, but at that point, I was like, I just I want to just do this so it's on open powerlifting, and then I can just never do anything again. <laughs> That's true. I guess that way you kind of get like three chances to do it. That, that was exactly person. my thought. Cause sometimes I get butt popped. Sometimes my butt pops. The rep will be super fucking easy. But when I lose that, when I release that leg tension and then I regain it, you know, it's like mm-hmm. finding the right line, the fine line of in between of still keeping the glutes somewhat squeezed or the legs are tight enough. So even when you release them, they don't pop back up. And, uh, sometimes I just time it wrong and it, it pops up, you know? So I told myself, I'm like, if I miss this 501, it'll probably be because my butt pops, and I'll be able to do it. You know, I easily can do it a second time. And I was like, if I get it on my opener, we'll just we'll fucking see what happens. You know, so yeah, yeah. I'm always worried about that, even though it doesn't normally happen to me unless I'm doing reps. But I'm always worried about my my head popping up or my butt popping up or whatever. Well, your head's allowed to pop up, Mister USAPL. Well, yeah, it is now. Yeah, it's still like it's still like ingrained in me. Sure, you know, like that. Oh, that that's another it. thing I do as well. When I sink it in, I lift my head up so that when mm-hmm. I go to use my leg drive, I like kind of throw my head and I throw myself back into the bench. That's another thing that's a little unconventional. My head movement that people see it, they're like, "Dude, what fucking what the fuck mm-hmm. are you doing?" Speaking um, on that same line, I guess a little bit. That's why I did try out the way I was benching, not the suicide grip, but the closer grip, was because I was training at Jeremy Hornster's gym. Boom. And he's very close grip. He does the same thing. He watches the bar and then, like, you know, extremely explosive lifter. So I was, and he's, I, I'm not built like him. Um, but I was thinking, you know, maybe I'll try a closer grip. Maybe it'll help. And if anything, if you make close grip stronger, I feel like if you go back, it'll, you know, like, kind of like you said, yep. you were always using that close grip. And then when you moved it out, you, you know, stronger anyway. So it's, it's building that general strength anyway. So I, I, I was kind of thinking, you know, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll bench six six seventy five like Jeremy. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you're you're coming for it, brother. You're coming. You're on you're on your way. Oh man, dude, there's this dude who uh, used to train at at my old gym, and he would be like, he'd always come up to me, and he would be like, "So when are you gonna bench six hundred pounds?" And I'm like, and like he was dead serious too, and I'm like. Probably never, dude. <laughs> like, I'm not going to, man. I'm not. Like, that's it's cool and all. I was like, maybe I'll bench 530 one day. Maybe I'll bench 240 kilos. Like, I'd be happy with that. But that's it, man. Yeah. And he'd be like, okay. And then, like, a month or two would go by and come up to me again. He'd be like, so, getting closer to 600? And I'm like, no, dude. I haven't hit a PR in six months, bro. <laughs> yeah. I love how people, anytime you hit a PR, people are like, oh, when's the, when are you going to hit 100 pounds more than this? Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. I hit 900, people are like, when's the 1,000? When's the 1,000 coming? I'm like, I don't know, probably like four years. That's Instagram <laughs> for you, man. That's fun. But it, it's even funner when you have someone like that in person. Like, that's literally that guy from the gym. I was like, oh, wow. You're literally asking the questions that people ask on Instagram to my face, and I'm telling you the answer, and you're asking again. Cool. Good, good deal. That's funny. Good deal. That's funny, yeah. I guess that's how Instagram is too. Just like the same people asking the same questions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So showdown. We are what six weeks out from it now. You kind of spoke that you're looking for anywhere from that 340 to 350 squat range um, bench. What 227, 501 would be nice. Pull. What mm-hmm. are you thinking for that? How, how I know you you tweaked your hamstring like a, a couple months ago, right? And you've been coming back from that and feeling good. Yeah, my uh, my adductor. So it's um. It's not giving me any problems. It really hasn't given me any problems. I haven't deadlifted 
900 pounds like since that happened now. So I'm a little bit mm, on deadlifts. I don't know. Squat and bench are going phenomenally, but the deadlifts are a little bit up in the air right now. I'm actually probably going to do a deadlift today um, in a few hours um, and get a better gauge for where we are. But I really am looking at a um, 2,200 total. So that would require around like 925-ish, 930 with the 770, um, with the 5,100. Well, dude, yeah, I mean, that, that'd be a big day, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I can, if it's a good day, I think I can pull it off. Exactly. You have the strength and you for it. doesn't matter that you haven't pulled 900 in months. Like the chances are that you lost that are pretty low. You've kept your mass, you've kept your body weight, you've kept your musculature, you know, it's there. And it's like at the same, at the same point, it's like, I, I think that's something that I've seen you get a lot of shit for online previously was like, man, this guy's pulling 900 three times in a week. He's fucking deadlifting a million times a week and shit like that. And it's like, yeah. people don't understand that it's like your body, you've been training with that for a really long time. So your body's acclimated to it. Your adductor would probably have gotten injured even if you were deadlifting once every week or once every two weeks, like injuries just happen regardless of the training style. It's how your body adapts to it, but regardless, it's like even if you're now in a in a, in a, a more submaximal training style and less frequency, that doesn't mean that it can't still happen, right? Right, and I, I I always kind of fall back on that. Like if my squat is improving, that kind of feel like my deadlift is gonna is gonna also be stronger just because the I feel like the squat is a little bit more general, just general strength. And if I'm getting stronger, like my legs are stronger, you know, my my back is stronger. I imagine that my deadlift should also increase as long as I have that exposure, like obviously to enough load. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. I would really love to get the thousand kilo total 2204. That's like the biggest goal beyond any like single lift goals. Um, so really whatever I have to do to make that happen after I squatted that 750, I was kind of getting a little bit like, Oh, maybe I can squat. Maybe I can squat more than, you know, but I don't know. We'll have to play it by ear. Well, you, you got whatever's coming next, right? The showdown's just another step along the way, brother. It's the fucking long haul. Exactly, it's the long exactly. game. You're still young, right? Right. And I was, I was, I was going to ask you, actually, um, do, you, do you know how far we are out from the ghost, the ghost class? We're around... Six months, man. We're pretty much, I think, like yeah. tw- almost exactly 24 weeks out. Yeah. Right. So I was going to say, even right after I do, you know, after I do the showdown, then we're 18 weeks out from from the next one, you know, so it's just a constant, you know, there's always something to look forward to. So I, yeah. I like that for sure. Oh yeah. And, that, and that's the cool thing. It's like, there's always something big. There's always something fun to do. It's like, even if you don't hit your exact expectations, your exact goals there, as long as you stay healthy, as long as you don't get fucking injured, you got the fucking, the next fucking ladder to climb. I won't even ask what your goals are. If you hit those goals at the, at the showdown, what they are for the clash, because it's, it's so far away, right? It's so hard to say. And, uh, it is, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I will say, I'll say, I'll say the one I really want to squat eight hundred pounds. I really think eight hundred pound squat is is coming. So that's that's the one thing I do. I would want to do by then is probably solidify that like in a meet eight hundred pound squat. You think that uh, once you hit that eight hundred in sleeves, and that might be the time to start fucking with wraps? Maybe, maybe, <laughs> huh? You maybe. Ne- <laughs> you never know, yeah. dude. Because then you have you yeah, have maybe. about about four months or so from the U.S. Open or find, insert whatever other wrapped meat there is, you know what I mean? And yeah. what I, if you started messing around with it, I'd say just do it. Like if your squat, if your squat frequency is two, three times a week, just do it once a week or once every, like every third or fourth squat session, just throw them on a little bit. Um, 
when I intro people into it, sometimes I'll still have them do their sleeved work. Like do your sleeved work first and then add a set or two of wrapped after, whether it's at the same weight or backing off. And mm. uh, don't don't show Instagram right away though because then they're going to be like, wait, why isn't he squatting 150 pounds more? He has wraps on now. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be like, what happened? He got, he got so much weaker. <laughs> yeah, dude. What the fuck, man? Cool, man. Well, this has been uh, this has been fun. I feel like uh, I feel like people will be excited to hear this, hear a little bit more about you, get your name out there more. I'm excited to see what you do at the showdown. It's going to be a good fucking meet, and even more excited for the clash. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate you having me on, and I'm I'm equally excited. And then, like, like what you and I already talked about, I haven't announced it yet. I'm probably going to announce it. This episode will probably go out tomorrow, and my plan is to announce the new date for the Ghost Gym Grand Opening Party um, in October. So if you guys, you know, you guys check out Shane at the showdown, come out to the Grand Opening Party, and we already talked about him doing some fucking silly meme pull on pound plates. So, <laughs> Yes, I'll definitely be there. I'll Hell be yeah, happy to, uh, visit, my, visit Miami. Hell yeah, brother. All right, man. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, too. All right, dog. Have a good one, man.